Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion and society have deviated from the Bible. Differing Things will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their creator. Now for today's host, Dr. Bill Petrie. Hi, welcome to another edition of Differing Things, and I am your host, Bill Petrie. If you do enjoy listening to Differing Things every week, please consider following us or giving us a like and leaving your comments. I'd love to hear from you. Today's podcast is dealing with a topic that really has revolutionized my Bible study the minute I began to understand the secret committed to the Apostle Paul. The book of Ephesians in chapter number 3, verse 9, states the following, And to enlighten all on what is the dispensation of the secret that has been hid from the eons in God, who the all things did create by Jesus Christ. One of the classic questions in the Word of God is the one Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch as he went to meet him. The Holy Spirit sent Philip down to Gaza to find a certain man. And the scripture says that Philip ran to meet this man's chariot. When he noted him, reading from the scroll of Isaiah, he asked this immortal question. Understand you what you read. This is one of the most important questions that we can ask those who read the Bible. Do I really understand what I am reading? Do I really understand what God is trying to tell me? What he is trying to teach me? And if they are honest, there are many people who would have to answer much like the Ethiopian eunuch answered. How can I understand except some man should guide me? The purpose of this particular Differing Things episode is to give you some Bible study help right from the scriptures so that you might better understand the word of God. Unfortunately, today, many people have lost interest in the Bible. There are many reasons for this, but perhaps one of the greatest reasons is because they have tried reading it once or twice, but it just did not make sense. Either they have a translation that is in archaic language and they can't understand the language, or they found what appeared to be contradictions and perhaps they were overwhelmed by it all and just gave up. <clears throat> if only there were a key that would unlock the pages of scripture and help us understand what it is talking about well, I'm here to tell you that there is a key, and it does exist, 
And the Bible itself tells us how we can understand Scripture. I want to look at three premises. The first premise is this. The Bible can be understood. This should be obvious. Yet there are those who think that the Bible really is impossible to understand. But if God went to the trouble of revealing to us his word, you would think that he would mean for us to be able to understand it, wouldn't you? And indeed, that is the case. God really wants you to understand his word. Second, the Bible is for believers. Actually, this second statement really qualifies the first. When we say the Bible can be understood, we must qualify this by saying God intended you to understand it as a believer. Many people who try to read the Word of God are yet unsaved or are not believers, and as they endeavor to do so, they become confused. If you are an unbeliever, if you have never trusted in Christ, you are going to find it very difficult to understand the Word of God. Why is this? The Bible itself tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But the soulish man, meaning the person who is not spiritually regenerated, one who is not in a relationship with Christ, is living only on a natural plane or a soulish plane, but the soulish man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. The Bible comes across on a spiritual level. It must be understood by faith. If you try to understand the Bible totally on an intellectual level, you are going to have some major problems. Now, that does not mean that we do not use our heads and our brains. We must use the minds that God gave us. But as a believer, you must approach the Word of God through faith. And that is the basis by which you can understand it. And the third premise in this study today, is that the Bible means what it says. Perhaps the most common mistake when people approach the Word of God is to read into it preconceived ideas, notions, and traditions. When they read a passage, rather than really reading what it says, they read into it what they think it says, or what they heard someone tell them it means rather than just putting aside traditions and reading the Bible for what it actually says. So today, I want to look at these principles. I want to look at these three basic principles so that together we can understand how they make up the key to the Bible. They are interrelated, and as we progress, you will see how they relate to one another. Let us begin with the principle of right division. 
2 Timothy 2.15 states, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Here we have right in scripture the divine key to understanding the Bible, rightly dividing the word of truth. We are going to consider two things under this heading. First, what does what this does not mean, and then what it does mean. Rightly dividing the word of truth does not mean that we reject part of the Bible. Many times we have explained the principle of rightly dividing the word of truth, and people respond by crossing their arms, getting a pious or antagonistic look on their face, and saying, well, I believe the whole Bible, I take it all. I do not divide any of it out. I want everything that God has for me. What do they mean by that? Do they mean that they still offer animal sacrifices? That is part of the Bible too, is it not? Do they mean that they practice Old Testament feast days? Coming to Jerusalem three times a year to observe the holy festivals? Is that what they mean when they say they take the whole Bible? Is that what they mean when they say they take the whole Bible and try to apply it to themselves? Do they mean that we should still keep the Sabbath like they did in the Bible from sunset Friday to sunset Saturday? Do they mean that they would really and truly keep the Sabbath as it's laid out in Scripture? They were not even supposed to go out of their house except to take care of their animals. They were supposed to stay home. Do they mean that? Well, surely not. You see, many people do not stop to think about what they are saying when they say, I take the whole Bible. We say that too. We take the whole Bible too. We believe every jot and tittle of it, the whole book. It means just what it says. And that is all the more reason why we should rightly divide it. We have a little phrase that helps understand the Bible. All scripture is for us, but all scripture is not necessarily about us or to us. In other words, some parts of the Bible God addressed to someone else. He wrote it to the people of Israel. Some parts of the Bible he wrote specifically to us. This is what we mean when we rightly divide. But we do not reject any part of the Bible. Indeed, when we rightly divide, we come to appreciate and understand all of the Bible even better. A second thing rightly dividing does not mean is picking and choosing. We must not go through the Bible and pick what we like and throw out what we do not like. Almost everyone makes distinctions in the Bible. There is not a person on the face of the entire planet who does everything that you find in the Bible. Indeed, 
You cannot do everything you find in the Bible all at one time. For example, in one place, the Bible says that you are to consider the ant because the ant looks ahead to winter, works hard in the summer, and stores ahead. And yet another place in the Bible says that you should consider the birds because the birds do not sow and they do not reap and they do not gather into barns. Can you be doing both of those things at the same time? The obvious answer is no. It would be impossible. This is why we must rightly divide. We are not picking and choosing. The question is, where do we draw the line? We will find the answer as we continue this study. In time past, some Bibles had marginal headings that were very interesting. One Bible had headings in the Old Testament over the laws of God where God says, if you will keep my law, I will bless you with this blessing and that blessing. And then a little while later in the passage, it says, if you do not keep my law, I will curse you with this and this and this. This particular Bible had a marginal heading over the blessings, which said, blessings on the church. Those who supposedly all the blessings that we received then when it got to the portion where it listed the curses, the heading read, the curses on Israel. That is interesting, isn't it? Let us take all the blessings, but whenever there is a curse, let Israel have that. That, my friend, is picking and choosing. That is not systematic. That's not rightly dividing the word of truth. Some people study the Bible much like they window shop. Have you ever gone window shopping? You go downtown without enough money to buy things, so you imagine what it would be like to have them. You say, I like this appliance here. That is a nice piece of jewelry. And I like this over here. Those are the things I would like. Some people approach the Bible that way. They page through it, and it says in one place that God will not allow you to have any diseases. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? Let us take that one. And a little farther on, there is something else that looks pretty good. Let us take that one too. Have you ever been at those meetings where you claim promises and everybody pops up and says, I'm going to claim this promise. Do you remember the song? Every promise in the book is mine. The problem with it is that it is simply not true. Every promise in the Bible is not mine. God promised me some things, but he did not promise me every one of these promises. I am perfectly satisfied with the ones that God did promise me. Let us be careful how we approach the Bible so that we are not rejecting part of it and we are not picking and choosing arbitrarily. That is not what rightly dividing means.
So what does it mean? I want to point out two things. First of all, rightly dividing means that you read the address. The Bible is like mail that God has addressed to the people he wants to speak to at any given point. For example, let us take Romans 11.13. This is one of the most neglected verses in the Word of God. God has not left us to arbitrarily try to figure out what part of the Bible is specifically to us and which is not. He has made it very clear if we would just read the address. Romans is written by the Apostle Paul. He says, For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the Apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Or let's take Galatians 2.7. Again, God has not left it up to our individual whim. He has specifically and clearly told us who is writing to us and who is writing to the Jews or to Israel. He does not leave it up to our own decision. In Galatians 2.7, we read, But contrarywise, when they, who are they? He will tell us a little later on in the verse, in verse number 9. James, Cephas, another name for Peter, and John. He is talking about the 12 apostles and the believers in the Jerusalem church. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me. Paul is writing that. The gospel of the uncircumcision pertains to Gentiles. As the gospel of the circumcision, the Jews, was committed unto Peter. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. So again, God has very clearly, very simply laid out the addresses. When the apostle Paul is writing or teaching, he is teaching the Gentiles. When Peter, James, and John are writing and teaching, they are teaching the Jews. Let me prove that to you. Look at James chapter 1, verse 1. Read the address. James is a wonderful book. We would not want to do away with the book of James at all but we want to make sure we know who it was written to. It states, James, a servant of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. Who are the 12 tribes? Israel, the Jews. God specifically wrote to them. So the first thing we do when we rightly divide is we read the address. 
we find out who God is writing to and make sure we understand whether he was writing to us or to someone else. The second thing we do when we rightly divide is we test the things that differ. Philippians 1.10 says we should approve things that are excellent. The word approve here is to discern or to test. The word translated excellent literally means to carry things in two different directions. Therefore, it is talking about things that are different from each other. Philippians 1.10 literally tells us to test things that are different. When we rightly divide the word, we look in the scriptures and we see whether something is different from something else. For example, take Romans 4, 5. What is the most important thing we could come to understand out of the word of God? Is it not how to be saved, how to be justified or declared righteous before God? I cannot think of anything more important than that. Can you? Romans 4, 5 states, But to him that works not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Now, is there any way, shape, or form that we could conclude from this verse that we are saved by works or that works have anything to do with our salvation? No. And in particular, he is talking here about the works of the Mosaic law. The works of the Mosaic law cannot save you. He specifically says that to him that works not, but believes on him. But let us look at James chapter 2, verse 24 for a second. Let us see if this is different. Let us test the things that differ. Paul says, but to him that works not, but believes. What is belief? It is faith. His faith is counted for righteousness. But what did James say? Writing to the 12 tribes, read the address in James 1.1. 1, 1. You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Is that different? Does it look different to you? Is God contradicting himself? <laughs> no, he is not contradicting himself. He is writing to a different group of people. The Apostle Paul is writing to Gentiles in the body of Christ. James is writing to Jews who are part of the nation of Israel. Let us notice another example. In Matthew 28, 19, we read, Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, 
Notice who Jesus is talking to in verse 16. The 11 disciples. Of course, there are only 11 because Judas had already hanged himself. We could say the 12 disciples because they were about to replace Judas, not with Paul, but with Matthias. To those men, Christ specifically said, go and baptize. Did Christ send the 12 apostles to baptize? Yes, he did. Now let us look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. Do you see a difference? Here it is the Apostle Paul, the Apostle of the Gentiles speaking. And he states, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Do you see a difference in those two statements? In one, the twelve are sent to baptize. In the other one, Paul is not sent to baptize. Test the things that differ. Now let us look at the second principle. The principle of dispensations. First of all, what is a dispensation? The English word dispensation comes from a Greek word that is made up of two separate words. Oikos means house and nomos means law. When you put them together, you have oikonomia, the house law or the rule of the household. What is a dispensation? A dispensation is the rule of a household. It is an administration of rule over a household. And sometimes some translations will render that word as administration. A dispensation or an administration. In scripture, God has two different households. There is the household of Israel and what Paul calls the household of faith. The house of God in this present dispensation or administration, the body of Christ. Do you have any rules or laws in your house? Surely you do. Every house has some rules, or it should. As your children grow up, they know that there are the rules that they have to follow in the house. Your rules might be different than my rules. Some of our rules might be the same. But it is important for all of our children to obey the rules of their own household. Correct? If my kids come home and say, over at so and so's house, they get to do this. Do you know what I used to say to them? That is fine. We will let them do whatever they want to do at their house. But at our house, we do it this way. 
That is the law of the household. That is what a dispensation or administration is. In our household, spiritually, God has given us a different set of rules than he gave to the household of Israel. Israel's set of rules is called the law or the law of Moses. Our household, our dispensation is called grace. Our administration is the administration of grace. In Ephesians chapter 3, we read, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. There is the address. If you have heard of the dispensation, administration, the house law of the grace of God, which is given me to you were, how that by revelation he made known unto me, the Apostle Paul, the secret. Our house law, our house rule is the secret. It is no longer the law of Moses. This is critical for you to understand. When you understand this, you can find what parts of the Bible are written to you and what parts of the Bible are written to someone else. And it clears up what seem to be contradictions. Those seemingly contradictory statements are statements that are true when kept in the context of the household that they belong to. The third principle that I want you to notice is progressive revelation. We are surely the most blessed generation of all people to live in this present eon. We have the completed word of God. We have the entire Bible. But sometimes we forget that the Bible was not all given at one time. We sometimes have the idea that everybody had the Bible like we do. What we need to understand is that the Bible was progressively revealed a little bit at a time. There is a great truth in that, that there are only three reasons why God ever gave new revelation at any time. The first reason is to further explain a previous revelation. Let me consider an example of this. Do you remember when God first gave the law of Moses at the beginning of the wilderness wanderings? God called Moses up to the mountain, gave him the law. Moses brought it back down 
although the people had already broken it by that time. Then 39 or 40 years later, God gave the law again. Why? Because Israel had wandered about for 40 years now, and new situations had come up, and the new generation needed to hear the law anew. This is why we have the book of Deuteronomy. It is the second giving of the law. Here we find further explanation of things found in the original giving of the law. A second reason God gives a new revelation is to modify a previous revelation. We will see an example of this in a moment. The third reason is to replace previous revelation or to supersede it. I want to center in on two kinds of progressive revelation. The first one is progression within the dispensation or administration. Sometimes within an administration or dispensation, God progresses and adds new things to the things that were already there. Galatians 3.17 states, and this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ. What covenant is that? this? It is the promise, the original covenant that God made with Abraham. Paul says, and this I say, that the covenant which was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. In other words, Paul is saying here is a progression. You have still got the basic promise, but to it God added the law. Why? Verse 19 states, Wherefore then serves the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. This is progression within a dispensation. God gave the original promise to Abraham and to his people. For 430 years later, he added something. He did not do away with the promise, did he? <clears throat> no. That is what Paul is pointing out. He did not do away with it, but he added some stipulations by which the people could participate in the original promise. Now they had some laws to keep. Second, you have progression to a new dispensation. Sometimes a new revelation supersedes previous revelation. We could give several examples. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, told the 12 apostles to go into all the world and teach all nations, baptizing them. The majority of Christians go back to that passage of Scripture for their marching orders, their commission. But what we need to understand is that sometimes new revelation supersedes former revelation and replaces it. As I read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Here is a new revelation, superseding the old revelation.
Does that mean we doubt whether that old revelation was true? No, it was true. We do not doubt that at all. It was true for that generation that he specifically spoke to. But God has superseded it with a new revelation. There are no ordinances in this dispensation. According to the book of Colossians, the word of God says that in this present eon, God has blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That's Colossians 2.14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. That statement supersedes or overshadows previous revelation. Therefore, we do not have ordinances anymore. God also gave a new revelation concerning justification. It used to be that to be justified, you had to believe, and you also had to demonstrate your faith through the works of the Mosaic law. But that has been superseded now by a new revelation. Faith alone is now required for justification. It used to be that God worked through miraculous signs to his people Israel. Indeed, the scripture says the Jews require a sign. But God has superseded that revelation with a new revelation. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 states, Now he says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Bible study can be one of two things. It can be drudgery, or it can be exciting and enjoyable. But it will only be meaningful as we follow the scripture's instructions on how to do it, rightly dividing the word of truth, understanding the administrations or dispensations, seeing the progressive revelation and recognizing that new revelation supersedes old revelation. This will enable all of us to truly understand God's word. You will never understand the word of God fully in its true sense until you know the Lord, until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The soulish man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. All of the things that we have seen in this Differing Things podcast apply to believers. I challenge you today that, you, that if you have never trusted Christ, you need to do it. But understand the word of God is one of the least reasons you need to trust Christ. If you fail to trust Christ, there is an accounting and a reckoning. I challenge you today if you have never come in simple faith believing the gospel message that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, 
then you do not have a relationship with him. But if you believe that, if you trust that, you are well on the road to understanding God's plan for you. Today, God is operating through the entity called the body of Christ. And the apostle to the body of Christ is the apostle Paul. The books that the apostle Paul wrote are addressed to you. All the other scriptures are addressed to Israel. When you come to this realization, the Bible will come alive and will make perfect sense. Good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.